This 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 sounds like the problem someone who just got a Bugatti and brought it home and realized there's like a timing belt issue. It sounds uh, sounds similar. <laughs> he's practicing rolling my r's oh my god no i'm so glad you're back this is the highlight of my week i'm back you're living vicariously through me until further notice (laughs) in many ways oh my god yes um so i think i can uh finally drop the big announcement the big XX announcement. Um, <laughs> Charlie so XCXX. Um, so I'm fully vaccinated. And for all intents and purposes, this podcast from now on will be uh, will be serving the, uh, the vaccination effort and trying to support and encourage people uh, across all walks of life to go and get their jab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're a pro-vax uh, podcast, and uh, Amir, first of all, I think you need to acknowledge your privilege, and... Um... Which one? <laughs> <laughs> one second, I... a... oh, God. I'm like, uh, my, uh, my whole uh, privilege structure is like a huge layer cake. Where do I begin? Okay, um, um, I also just have to clarify that I forgot the foam cover for the microphone at my Berlin apartment. Oh my god. Yeah, no. so if there's a lot of uh, PTSD sounds <laughs> pop it, ASMR. Pop, yeah, <laughs> popping on the mic, I just threw a pair of my briefs on the microphone as a cover. Uh, Are those used briefs? Will you be selling them on Craigslist on Kijiji after the recording? Berliner uh, eBay Kleinanzeigen. Um, They're clean. Did you suck? Did you suck them in the Berlin Pisschuf Bergheim location? Um, That's lab, actually. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Is it though? No, I'm pretty. Excuse me. I'm pretty sure it's in the. Oh no! I think you're you're actually right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've, been, I've been there. The only time I've been I've been to lab was when uh, they open up the three spaces to the big party. Oh yeah. Snacks, not snacks. Like well, the Easter, the sna- Easter party. Sna- snacks is the Easter one. Okay, so that's um the worst you could go to. Um, so next time Wait, you're in come? Berlin, we'll go to lab. <laughs> lab garden what what makes you say it's the worst party no i'm just saying that snacks is the one where it's like lab but exploded to the entire building like i thought it was just the like a courtesy of lab to open its doors to the rest of the space no no it's it's for the all those easter freaks which is not happening again for the second year in a row (laughs) right i mean at this point i think they're all have been exposed to so many variants of superbugs I don't think COVID's touching them. Oh my God. <laughs> um, it was, I do recall a one fun snacks party or Easter party. Um, I just normally, so I would never go to a lab because it's just so like, 
It's like the anabolic gaze. <laughs> Wait, um, you mean anabolic like steroid gaze? Yeah. No, that's Barakine. Barakine has all those ridiculous muscle people. No, but like that type of gay that's on God knows what, that it's like, you know, the, oh. the skin's the skin's like flimsy and everyone looks oh like God. they're imploding, decaying on oh the inside. God. Uh, uh, sadly, that's middle-aged men with uh, facial wasting. Also, my <sighs> suspicion, sorry, I don't mean to get into uh, physiognomy in the like eugenics realm here, <laughs> but like um, most of the almost okay i'm I'm gonna have to heavily preface anything i say um but like i've known a good amount of germans who are naturally smooth even like (laughs) facial hair wise and so your your like facial skin doesn't develop this like coarseness over time that people with facial hair have and so they would age more like you know teenage like yeah i'm I'm really trying to be careful with what i'm saying yeah here. they turn into and twonks okay just say it yeah. <laughs> and so but like at some at some point you can't tell how old they are because the skin's just so smooth and nice but like aging still does its thing so like yeah. there's the slight like loosening of the the tautness yeah and and um, there's a lot of skinny fatness happening which again i'm allowed to say because i'm just fat fat so <laughs> And by the way, if anyone's a doctor in Berlin and can get me vaxxed because I'm uh, clinically obese and have high blood pressure, <laughs> DM me. <laughs> I'm honestly surprised based on the history of uh, German medicine in the 21st century that people aren't just sent home with like uh, Advil. Oh, not even Advil. <laughs> Advil's like, that's too severe. It's like uh, herbal teas some homeopathic pills where they're like take six a day of this pill which is what happened when i almost had sepsis <laughs> jesus i forgot all about that how did you almost get sepsis well no i had like this insane strep throat this is like mm-hmm. it was like weeks before i went to la for my first solo show in la in 2016 and it was so bad where i will spare the listener the details but uh Things were oozing, which is not normal for, like, a throat infection. No. And, uh, yeah, they wouldn't give me antibiotics, which, like, I'm not someone who's like, give me antibiotics at every, you know, turn of a corner. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was so bad. They wouldn't give me anything. They gave me these herbal pills. They're like, well, we don't know if it's viral or bacterial. It's like, what do you think this is? Like, it's I like mean, a if it's cesspool oozing, it's of bacteria. bacteria. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it like looks like a textbook definition. And then I went back a week later. I was like, I'm going on a very important trip in a week. This needs to clear up. <laughs> Finally, they did it. And of course it worked. And the crazy thing is just like months before that or a year before that or whatever, like my brother's ex, she had the same situation at the exact same clinic. They're just like these crazy hippies that like, will not give people antibiotics unless they're dying. I mean, I'm sorry, but sepsis is one of the worst thing you could potentially recover from or have to live with the, uh, you know, the long lasting effects. Totally. No. And it's like, it was such a bad throat infection where it's like, this clearly would have turned into sepsis. Like it just would have spread through the body. Where's that, (sighs) where's that seminal New York times article about this American expats experience, uh, with having to have undergone, I think hysterectomy in berlin and her experience with just being sent home with a uh, ibuprofen oh my god 
I remember reading just, that, but yeah, her just feeling like she was gonna die, but the doctor wouldn't budge. Shocker. Honestly, what what is it about the cultural mentality? It's just like powering through pain. Oh, you know what? I I'm I'm remembering now. The article uh, mentioned that she was told that she essentially has to like stay, uh, uh, you know, connected with you know those messages and signals her body was sending her <laughs> and giving her any like oh my God. anything to numb the pain would essentially uh, stop stop keeping her up to date as to like where she is now in the healing process. I Sounds insane. Uh, yeah, I can't wait for our like reply guys after her to be like, well, actually, <laughs> the hu- the humorless uh, yeah. listeners. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I yeah, I mean, sure, there's a uh, o- uh, opioid uh, uh, epidemic here in the states, but like the other side of the spectrum shouldn't be like sending you like a root exactly. canal with no anesthesia. <laughs> exactly. No, I'm a very common sense approach person to this it's uh there are situations where you do need uh prescription intervention but people shouldn't abuse antibiotics because people take them because they're like i don't feel well and they take antibiotics they have left over from before wait let me look up the the german word for common sense oh i guess there's no such word sorry just looked it up <laughs> Honestly, I just looked it up, and I've even after seven years of brilliant, I never heard of this term in German, <laughs> which makes me think it's just not used to because common sense just does not well, particularly exist there. Well, as Merkel uh, said this past week, you know, the vaccination program in Germany just needs some German flexibility, which then someone had to point out was a joke and. I'm sorry, oh, coming from a German person, that's an oxymoron. Also, having to preface something as with, uh, I'm about to tell a joke, or after the fact this was a joke, like, clearly something's amiss. Yeah. Okay, um, so can you tell us where you were? Because I got, like, play-by-play, and it was amazing, and I wish I could have been there. Tell um, us everything. So I went to a Mexico City... <laughs> was Ilaria uh, Baldwin there? <laughs> oh my God, no! But uh, I saw her monument there. <laughs> the <laughs> um, no, so yeah, uh, yeah. I started working with a with a Mexican New York gallery that's opening later this year, and they placed me in this really fun group show at this space called Iano, which I'm probably mispronouncing because it's like a double L. Uh, which honestly leads me to think that like every language has the, that like particular sound that non-native speakers could just never get right. Yeah. Like the German CH. Well, I know the double L in different uh, Central and South American dialects is like Ijano, even though, right, which is crazy because they're two completely different sounds with yeah. those that same like uh, letter pattern. Right. Well, that Central Mexican dialect, I think... Uh, well, my gallery told me it's like a it's like a subtle yi. It's like between yeah. a, a je and a ye, but like whatever. I've had Germans try to teach me for years how to f- like properly pronounce the he. Ugh, whatever. But it's <laughs> it's like speaking Chinese to me. I just lack this sort of. Uh, you don't know the seven tones of German. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Se- seven tones of disgruntlement. 
<laughs> what I have managed to master in my seven years in Berlin is when uh, communication with the you know cashiers and checkout people, her, their uh, you know reaction of acceptance and feedback is. Hmm. They're various grunts. <laughs> it's true. There's seven tones of like Kaiser's cashier grunting. Sorry, it's yeah. Rava now. All the all the Kaiser's clothes. It's Rava or Eddie what? now. Yes. Since you left, Kaiser's got absorbed by like other grocery groups. Wait, but Kaiser's was superior to all the other ones. I mean, it kind of was, but some of the Kaiser's were so dumpy, like Cottbus or Tor. Um, well, what's not dumpy there? I mean, they should just like bulldoze that. Whole <laughs> no, we need some. Ro- we need some like Robert Moses uh, in those parts of. They should just Berlin. build a free. They, the A one hundred freeway should actually just go through Coppas or Tor. Yeah, I feel like what, whatever the Allies haven't managed to. Uh, <laughs> sorry, that this is going to get me canceled, barred from entering Germany. Um, yeah, whatever. Whatever the Allies didn't manage, the Marshall Plan didn't manage. <laughs> a modern day robert moses should come in and save the day <laughs> um yeah so that's a rava now i love rava rava is actually my number one grocery chain right now in germany but i'm all about like the east side mall at Warschauerstrasse, the basement location which i've told you about because there's like no one in there the store is brand new it's massive you don't have to walk around with a cart yeah um which is the which is a supermarket chain that has the like franchisees name on the oh Etika mostly yeah where it'll be like oh, yeah. like goo like uh a, like a Guberstein Etika <laughs> right but Rava that's, some of the Ravas also have that that's something to aspire to <laughs> like in such a non entrepreneurial environment for these uh. For these locations to bear the franchisee's name is something totally. uh, to mention. Well, I will say it's an entrepreneurial environment for redundant startups. So, <laughs> Like what? Oh, just think of anything that exists and there's like a Berlin startup trying to do the same. Like, like we're, we're the next Instagram. Okay, good luck. Oh, God. <laughs> wasn't, e- wasn't Elo German or Germanic? What, that, is, like, what is that? You remember that like uh, Facebook replacement that was hot for a minute? Oh, hello, yes. I still have an account. <laughs> when people were really? like disturbed <laughs> by the new terms of service, so they all jumped ship allegedly to hello. Oh my god. Sorry, um, I'm just doing my CBD drops one second. Well, I just want to reassure our listeners that this is a uh this is an NFT and clubhouse free zone. Okay, well, actually, I in my notes, I want to talk about NFTs. <laughs> oh, God. Can, I was can, hoping not to utter the N-word on this I, episode. I know. The other N-word. Can, can, I, just, can I just quickly mention what I was going to say? Yep. So, uh, as you know, I'm a grifter at heart. <laughs> Are you Jewish, too? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jewish. Um, so I was talking, I'm giving you, I'm giving you an honorary title. I think I'm, I'm close to. enough. I know enough. I'm like RuPaul. I know enough Yiddishisms. <laughs> also, I'm like, we know both of our family's histories. I'm sure there's been some like uh, sexual commingling. At totally. some point there, there's definitely been crossbreeding, especially in that yeah. region. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was talking to friend of the pod Dorian of Artnet news and he gave me some uh, NFT tidbits and advice. 
and I think we should create an NFT artist uh, named Moonface. <laughs> oh, we should. And sell some of our memes. And I think it could be like a good recurring series on the podcast. Like we do not talk about NFTs otherwise, <laughs> but we talk about the progress of our scam. Because like, what if we both buy apartments from like the proceeds of this? Oh my God. <laughs> I think it's doable. I think we should try. My brain is already rotting. Okay, do you give me express permission to put our memes as minted <laughs> tokens on the internet? I hereby tokenize your fungibility. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think it's um, I think it's worth the risk to be part of the scam. So Honestly, it's god, it's just so <laughs> But also these people are like the People who were like allegedly legitimate voices in the art world who are now just like constantly going on about NFTs need to get a life. Who are you thinking of? Like hot daddy Kenny Schachter. It's like all the articles in Artnet News, all his columns are about NFTs. It's like you have nothing else to write about. Like you collect cars, art, other um, fungible (laughs) assets. It just uh, it just started becoming really off-putting to me the minute I sort of sensed it's uh, it's in the sort of uh, possession of uh, boomers. They just constantly talk about it. Totally. And the the aesthetics are just so like Simpson esque or like oh my God. Marvel like universe. There's still there's nothing in it for me. Yeah, I well, felt utterly repulsive. Well, like that Beeple, you know, expose about his racist and. What what's even that? I like heard about that in passing. Oh, so like that giant work that was auctioned, which was you know like five thousand images. If you zoom in, they're just like really offensive. All these things he's made. Um, so they also have this just like apart from being racist and homophobic and whatever, like they just look like garbage. So I don't know, but we have some fun memes and. I'm ready to get in on the grift. So ready to make them fungible. Yeah. So uh, a word I still don't understand. Yeah. So um, you know, maybe contact Ryan Serhat and uh get your uh So we can expand always and all always and always. Exactly. Um he used to always have uh, like butt issues, <laughs> like self image issues regarding his butt on the show. Um, Does he have dentures? He must have dentures. (laughs) He looks like dentures. And his wife looks like one of the characters from Gallery Girls. Oh, my God. Like that tiny Greek girl. Oh, my God. Okay, speaking of Gallery Girls. So, I mean, this is confirmed. We're going to have a friend of the pod, Alita, on. I think we have to do like a 10-part series. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. a a breakout special on Gallery Girls. Mm -hmm. That'll come soon. Um, so if anyone has like any listener questions or maybe if anyone has a connection to any of the gallery girls, I could, you know, just chime into our podcast, let us know. Yeah. That's uh you can hit us up on thoughts on art on Instagram. That's at sign thoughts with a zero on art. Um, yeah, I think we've, uh, uh we've realized we're not a very popular and or appealing <laughs> a, uh, platform. 
to uh, guest on. We tried reaching out to an art critic for a uh, guest appearance a couple of weeks ago. He ended up uh, guesting on a on another pod, but uh, uh, thank, <laughs> thank God, thank God it didn't happen because it turns out like complete my sentence. Yeah, if if you want to listen to Red Scare and hear Dean Kissick, it's like really depressing. So I said it yeah. there. <laughs> Um, I also think we should just make a rule to not have any uh, British English speakers on this pod. Um, no, we have some good ones. I look, we have some good ones lined up. They're yep. they're yeah, they're in the holding bay. There's some good ones, but they have to be like I normal, guess it's just, normal people yeah, they, and not have socio sociopath voices. Yeah, I just ha- they have to pass the like cadence test. Yeah, uh, to match with our dynamic peppy yeah. uh, voices. All so. Um, also, it's a class-obsessed society. It's like there can be no one higher than working class. Sorry, because that's where yeah. Amir and I come from. So suck mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I just have to say, regarding our listenership, we are closing the gender gap, finally. Oh, really? Yeah, we're at 44% female listenership. Wait, across how many genders, though? Well, uh, I just want to give a special shout out to our 4% non-binary listeners. Who makes that determination? Well, that was from the Spotify data. So I actually don't know across across every kind of uh, platform that people listen on. But according to Spotify, when you sign up for a Spotify account, it asks you for uh, male, female, non-binary, or would rather not answer. Oh, okay. So actually 0% of our listeners have selected n- neither or like don't want to <laughs> don't want to uh respond right yeah uh, i just want to give a little shout out to our uh, arab american friends for having become officially white oh my God. in this country God. um i'm referencing the boulder colorado colorado shooter who's uh arab and have been pegged or uh yeah defined uh in the media as white yeah um so welcome to the white tribe arabs i uh we asians and jews welcome you wholeheartedly Um, well as an israeli you are asian amir you're aapi so yeah true (laughs) um anyways came back from mexico a couple of days ago and i'm actually going home to israel after over a year Uh, i'm going tomorrow and uh, I don't know. Uh, Mexico is just incredible. Okay, still give us the hi- give us the highlights. Just give us the highlights. Um, the highlights. Uh, crickets. Earthquake. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> Wait, you um, ate crickets, or there were just crickets cricketing everywhere? No, no, I I ate this amazing like guac crickets uh, oh dish at Cha Cha Cha, which is like this uh, top floor restaurant across the street from the the Revolution uh, Monument. Not to be confused with Cha Cha Macha. <laughs> or cha 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 which is the runs which is what the water the tap water in mexico would give you oh my god um and you know i came to mexico city with this like american bias of uh try not to open your mouth in the shower as to not swallow any water as seen on sex la, in the city as seen Two. on sex in the city no, one and i i like i didn't even mention it and in some like conversation passing a local had referenced that scene saying that they don't even open their mouths when they take a shower so i was like okay 
I'm just gonna keep my mouth shut. Um, oh my god! So I didn't get the runs the whole time. Um, even though you know my 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 long time dream is to uh, get a really bad stomach poisoning, <laughs> so I could lose some uh, pounds. <laughs> you are your Emily, to- the other Emily, the original Emily. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Anyways, it's a really fun group show. I mean, check it out if you're on. Uh, if you're in in town basically it's uh going through next month and um yeah i'm totally blanking on all the uh the fun experiences i want to share now okay other food highlights because i'm all about the food the food was just incredible i was also really uh privileged to be chaperoned by my gallery there and so they took me to all the like the fancy spots which are really affordable obviously if you're coming from new york um and so it was mostly i was just mostly exposed to like refined like uh you know high cuisine that's like mexican fusion Mm. and uh discovered their very lovely sort of leisurely dining experience which especially on fridays what they do is they get off work earlier at like two or so they hit the restaurant they just stay there like until nighttime basically um and so we would like we went to this restaurant in in san angel which is like the fancy it's like the hills basically yes. uh we had lunch at this like very traditional huge like uh garden restaurant there called the san angelin we got there at 1 30 and we left at like six or oh so um and uh i don't know you get the check and at some point where you, you're paying the check you realize like am i paying by the hour like i spent <laughs> so many hours here um amazing yeah it was just incredible and then oh and friend of the pod sage hey sage um joined me for the four out of the six days i was there and we had the nicest time together and uh we got to experience our first uh citywide earthquake um alarm system which scared the (laughs) shit out of us um because mexicans you know are rightfully traumatized by their pretty recent experience from 2017 of the big one um so we just like fled the restaurant and congregated on the street and uh because like you know when that alarm system goes off you don't know if it's uh telling you the big one's coming or like if it's a false alarm or whatever so you really don't know what to expect yeah okay so Um, we're gonna go there this autumn right or winter yes can't wait also i'll just say the city's uh not flooded but it there's a lot of uh, american expats there currently especially like around uh roma and condesa uh like you go to all the hot spots and it feels like uh honestly it feels like a a refined version of berlin circa 2007 which is when i moved there so like you hear a lot of english and clearly for like new yorkers and uh angelinos it's a great sort of getaway in this uh, era of lockdown well, at least you were there for a legitimate reason and not to be oh, yeah. an oppressive bump on a log. Oh, totally. I didn't feel like uh, like a spoiled, like entitled brat there. Yeah. It was an actual work trip. Yeah. Um, but the thought of like, you know, Paris in the 20s sort of crossed my mind. <laughs> um, kind of feels like that. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's just such an incredible city. Really. I can't wait uh, for you to go there. Okay, I can't wait, because the only place uh, south of the border I've been to was Sao Paulo, Brazil, in uh, 
2016. Is that where you got got your butt lift? (laughs) (laughs) That's where I got my Brazilian and my Brazilian. So, (laughs) but anyone who knows me uh, in real life knows that's not true because I have a flapjack booty. So, but you know what? When, when we finally increase our listenership and get to that Patreon level, I am putting that money into getting my love handles dealt with and put into my butt. So, but wait, share us with te- your friends. Shoving, I've been telling you for years that love handles is not something that could be surgically taken care of because it's just an extension of, <laughs> you know, wide birthing hips or whatever. Like, no, I have you love can, handles. You can chop it off, but like, I mean, not neither you nor I are a uh, are tortilla shaped. Okay. Yeah. No, but there's a. There's a sack at either end <laughs> that could really be dealt with. Well, much like a pizza, it's my favorite part. How else would you? Uh, how else would you hold it? Yeah, that's true. Well, anyway, I have a hot date coming up, and he had no issue with the love handle. So, honestly, if you have any like tight specifications about someone's you know physicality, what is your problem? Yeah. Like True. if you're looking for something very particular and nothing else, um, you're losing out on a lot of good stuff. Yeah, because variety is the spice of life. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Anywho, Anywho. I'm going to is- going to Israel tomorrow and some really laborious bureaucratic oh uh, endeavor. Thanks, BB. Yeah, thanks. Uh, just casually applying years of uh, oppression towards the Palestinian onto his own citizens with the uh, movement restrictions, etc. Um, and they won't even accept my uh, my American proof of vaccination. God, they they don't honor that. Um, yeah, I'm just happy I have it under my belt at this point because getting the second shot was just really intense. Um, God, like really knocked me out for a couple of days, but I guess it was also kind of encouraging because I realized, okay, it's working. Didn't give me the placebo. Thank God. Um, Well, I went to get tested today. Sorry. Oh yeah. I just read that AstraZeneca, like a day after they approved it here in the States, all these like findings came out about like some shady reporting of like accuracy and stuff like that. What the hell is going on with them? God. Stop They're being a mess. So shady. Well, They're such a mess. That's everything I've read. It's like, okay, the vaccine works, but their whole rollout and communication strategy has just been disaster, which then just makes people not have any trust in the vaccine. So it's like, I don't... Like, who works for these companies that are like multi-billion dollar enterprises? I'm sure like yep. everyone's like a doctor you know, in the German sense, <laughs> uh, leading the corporation, professor, doctor, professor. Um, and then it's just like the most disastrous rollout. Like, Oh wait, but they're German. No, I, uh, sorry. They're England. English. Yeah. They're English. So, yeah. It's a, it's a British company. Okay. But uh, I'm just like ready to get vaccinated. I saw friends today on Instagram getting vaccinated. I'm like, how do I get vaccinated? Like I i don't know like, i'm wh- telling you you should just you should just come to the states because here in some <clears throat> sorry in some states there's uh no requirements to show any form of a uh, local id because you know they, they can't ask for that here in the states where so many people are illegally yeah. in the country 
So all you have to do is just, you know, go to Florida, Texas. Yeah. Any of those, uh, and before someone um, <laughs> goes down my throat, uh, there's a lot of vaccines being thrown out. Doses every day. And that's the fucked up thing. And I'm sorry, I have an issue with like all these Instagram posts that are like, you need to check your vaccine privilege with like eight slides because they're fucking throwing out vaccines constantly. This is happening everywhere. It's either like... Also, just can we just take a chill pill on the whole infographics big industry? Jesus Christ. It's like everyone's going to fucking leave Instagram in about five minutes because it's become so fucking annoying. It's like, become really obnoxious. Like people finger wagging at people because they like posted that they've been vaccinated. Actually, it's good that people are posting that they've been vaccinated because like there's 50% of people that don't want to be vaccinated in most countries. Yeah. So it's just Instagram has become such a like, uh, as you said, finger wagging. Tourettes. Oh, God. And um, it's like, I get that there's social inequality on so many levels and no one's debating that uh, kind of in our sphere. But just stop finger wagging at everyone. It's so obscene and insane. It's just really obscene. Um, it's such a Faustian deal, sort of Sophie's choice at this point for me with social media because I tr- like the benefits still outweigh the uh, the downsides to participating. Yeah. But it's just become such an exhausting experience. It's like you know going to a Thanksgiving dinner with like. Ella M. Hoff or something. God, exactly. And it's like, if you want to make a difference, quote unquote, go on Facebook to uh, the comments of USA Today, Fox News, like yeah. Daily Mail articles and just get in fights with people because maybe that will actually change something because finger Wait, wagging. Sorry, what, sorry? W- what do you have against the Daily Mail? It's my main source of news. <laughs> Girl, you know those comments. <laughs> the the Facebook comments on Daily Mail stories are unhinged. So they, um, you know, I read the Daily Mail with a uh, grain of salt. Clearly, yeah. I I think at this point I'm able to sort of uh, parse out what's uh, what's fake and what's not. No, for sure. No, no. But the com commentators on Facebook of basically right. any news source are psychotic. Like. They're clearly posting articles for clicks. Duh. But like the like you know, person personally I think what's worse is uh more sort of reputable news sources, websites where you, where it's not clearly and immediately evident that it's clickbait, like CNN.com or yeah. The Guardian, which has become such a cesspool for like trigger baiting. Oh, totally. No, it's definitely clickbait. But I just mean like even USC Today, like USC Today is like you know, more or less a reputable news source. It doesn't have like some extreme slant, but the things that are being posted on Facebook are posted there to just like inflame people. It's like huh? Kenya Moore of Real Houses of Atlanta, you know, um, wore like a Native American costume. And then the comments, of course, are just like racist because they mm-hmm. know it's going to like inflame people. And they Honestly, don't care. Who goes, Sorry? Who goes on Facebook anymore? I mean, sorry to call you out. <laughs> well, I saw you liking some of my stories and posts on there. So true, yeah. <laughs> um, I just go on Facebook for uh, the bulldog owner groups. And, uh, <laughs> <my bro. laughs> it just brightens up my day. What can I say? <laughs> um, yeah. So, um. 
saw some beautiful art in Mexico City. Uh, got inspired. Oh, I went to I went to the Barajan house. Do you know the you know Barajan? Unfortunately, not. Uh, I'm asking you as a as an architect uh, fan. <laughs> um, so uh, I think it's Luis. Uh, yeah, Luis Barajan was a was a Mexican architect and engineer, and he sort of spearheaded that like very colorful minimalist like tropical ah, american okay i'm googling style. now i thought you said yeah. i thought you said balagan at first <laughs> <laughs> no sorry i just i just whipped up my uh my mexican flawless your, accent your a your a1 espanol on mexico <laughs> mexico uh, uno. <laughs> um oh yes, yes i love this i have seen this actually the uh pink and orange walls i have seen yeah. that somewhere yes so uh my gallery took me to see one of his uh one of the homes he designed where the family actually still lives in um casa casa gallarda i think is the uh the name and the tour is run by one of the boys of the family who's really sweet and um you can they take you through the entire house and it gives you the whole history and it's like it's a very nice private tour and they fucking have a pool in the house and there's all these like walls that are sort of uh, solid color painted to sort of segue and merge into like the the environment um, color palette. And there's these like orbs made out of marble that are just like floating in the space. Um, it's just really beautiful. So I got to experience that. Um, I hope you don't any, lose any listeners who are not enjoying this like Mexico 101 revelations. <laughs> Um, well, sorry that you're privileged and you've been there and we haven't, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so I got to enjoy that. We went to Tamayo, the Contemporary Museum, for a private tour. That was really fun. And went to the Anthropology Museum, learned about my my like pre-Columbian history, which was fascinating. Um, yeah, I'm excited to go back. Well, we should go this fall and uh, do our podcast residency. Oh, we totally should. Can't wait. Yeah. And uh, yeah, maybe on that note, we can uh, move on to some of our hot topics for the week. Everyone's Um, favorite segment. And unlike Wendy, we will not be flatulating and burping simultaneously during our hot topics section. Okay, moving on. <laughs> moving on to the hot topics of the week on here on Thoughts on Arts. How you doing? How you doing? Oh, sorry, my playlist started immediately playing the next song, which is a gorgeous karaoke rendition of Miley's The Climb. <laughs> which we should do again. We I, definitely should. I recently sang that at an illicit secret car- <laughs> domestic karaoke. <laughs> Honestly, I think that episode we started out with the uh, karaoke was the one with had us lose like twenty followers. <laughs> Whatever, <laughs> whatever. Um, again, Alrighty. our listenership has bounced back, much like my snatched body. So, mm-hmm. okay. Um, Columbia graduate art students file lawsuit for reimbursement. 
Graduate students at Columbia's School of the Arts have filed a class action lawsuit against the school in an effort to recover tuition fees and other financial damages from the 2020 spring semester. While the legal proceedings are underway, students and graduate workers who have lost access to studios, classes, and mentorship during the pandemic have been on strike for the spring 2021 semester. Thoughts? Um, okay, I cannot imagine what it would be like being a student right now, kind of mm-hmm. of any age. It would really suck. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> like, if you have a job where you can work from home, it's annoying, but you can still get your job done and you're getting paid. Uh, whereas being a student, <laughs> you're paying, not having access to everything you thought you would get. That said, you are still learning. Uh, you're also paying for basically the piece of paper to say you went to that school. Let's be real. <laughs> no one's paying $50,000 a year because of the uh, superior level of instruction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I don't... I mean... I this, guess this this sounds like the problem someone who just got a Bugatti yeah. and brought it home and realized there's like a timing belt issue. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> sounds similar. <laughs> okay, they should have just uh what do you call it when you defer? They should have just deferred. You know, like you can leave school. No one's forcing you to stay. They're not like you're kicked out and have to reapply if you yeah. uh take a year off like people take forever to finish degrees i just wouldn't have enrolled for a further year like they should have seen it coming so uh, again caveat mTOR um that said i have friends who are in mfa programs right now in the states at very expensive schools it sucks but at the same time when they finish the program like they're not going to be like any less employable in their mm-hmm. field so yeah, it sucks, but I mean, you should have just dropped out earlier for the year and not paid. I mean, I, I hate being a bitch. Like, the thing I want to say the most about it is just so sarcastic and cynical just because I have no friends who are currently enrolled in any of those programs. And so I have that sort of degree of removal. Yeah. But I'm, which I'm trying to resist. Uh, because on the one hand, you know, if you shelled out upward of how many tens of thousands of dollars yeah. for this program, I, my heart doesn't uh bleed for you especially if you if this wasn't an expense it was an issue for you but then on the other hand if this is what you chose to spend your money on something is rotten at the core of it either on your end or on the systemic end of this that has people you know paying such enormous amounts of money yeah for this sort of nebulous prob- uh, promise of a uh, success or clout or god knows what Exactly. Because clearly this isn't about, like, no one goes to these schools because they think they're going to get 50 times more knowledge than, like, some other school. It's paying for the credential. Yeah, exactly. You can't, like, enumerate or, uh, you know, see a specific material sort of linear value to this uh, investment, this financial investment. This is all at the end of the day is what you make of it, which is something that could also be achieved in like some community college or, yeah. Cause let's say, let's say you're like a social maverick and you went to a fucking community college or CUNY or whatever. You can totally make it out on your own. You don't need the 
the BFA, sorry, the MFA credentials. Yeah, no, definitely. And like, we know plenty of artists that didn't go to like a top tier Ivy league MFA program who are successful artists. So, mm-hmm. um, again, the lawsuit thing, I don't know what it's going to achieve. I guess it's just like a bargaining chip for a settlement and getting their way because this can drag through the courts for years and there's so many legal costs and like, it's such a gamble and mm-hmm. it's just like, I don't know, get a life <laughs> next. I mean, one case <laughs> that I would find really outrageous is those kids who enrolled uh, into Cooper union, uh, Cooper union the year after they canceled the free tuition thing. Oh my God. <laughs> so like, you know, they went through all the trouble of getting uh, accepted into this very, uh, um, like very exclusive program only to be slapped with a tuition fee that hadn't existed up until that point. Like God. that I would have found outrageous, but oh, like that would in this case, so annoying. yeah. Um, I don't know. None of us went to those programs. Maybe like once you enroll, it really truly is sort of life changing and is amazing as, and like, we just are unable to, you know, appreciate it from the outside. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it is real and it's spectacular. <laughs> but look, I remember being in university and how we were all just bitches. Like everyone just had a problem with everything because no matter what, there's always this kind of like client uh, seller relationship in a way, even though you're students, even though I went to a public university you know, in Canada, dissatisfaction. there was consumer dissatisfaction. And that's what we all For felt sure. when something was like not going well, we felt consumer dissatisfaction. And that's the For thing, sure. which like I understand, but a school shouldn't be a business, even if it's a, a private university. So I don't know, just figure it out, people. I don't know. I just, I'm just looking up the uh, the tuition fee. Um, Which school is this again? Columbia? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it sucks. It's like you're paying all this money, but at the same time, let's be real. Most of the people that are going there are rich. Yes, there are scholarships. Yes, there are a lot of people that aren't, but a lot of the people who are in that class are probably like, it doesn't even matter. It's like their right. parents are paying for the lawsuit because they can afford it. And it, tuition fee. Sorry, I'm looking it up. Uh, twenty twenty one total seventy thousand eight hundred and thirty eight dollars. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> and you know, if you are able to afford it, you already come from a family and a background of wealth to you know, upon graduation to automatically become appealing to any gallery that will want to show you because you just have access to people with that kind of money. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, yeah. I mean, I know people who have gone there who aren't from wealthy backgrounds, but I'm sure most of their cohort was from a wealthy background. So right. we're talking about that part. Also, like truly money cannot buy you talent. Yeah. <clears throat> Okay, next. Um, okay, sorry to trigger you, but here's our next uh, hot topic. Oh my God. Um, in February, Julie Maritou was deep in the process. 
was deep in the process of painting a large-scale diptych for the Whitney Museum of American Art in New York, where her mid-career survey opens on Thursday after previous runs at the L.A. County Museum of Arts and the High Museum in Atlanta. On a Zoom call from her Chelsea studio, which overlooks the Hudson River and the New York Harbor, Maritou said the wall for her new site-specific work at the Whitney faces window onto the same view of the Statue of Liberty. The artist, who was born in Ethiopia and raised in Michigan, described the symbolic point of entry to the U.S. as a conceptual departure point from which to consider the history of migration as explored in her multi-layered abstract painting. For the piece, she also incorporated blurred photographs of uh, riotous anti-immigration protests screen printed onto the canvas. Thoughts? Yeah, I just don't see that content in her work. <laughs> I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's her uh, artistic MO. I guess there are now screen printed images applied to works about systems and networks. Um, mm-hmm. um, I mean... Here, let me make it very personal. <laughs> I I just don't gravitate towards the work. I just I just partic- personally I don't like it. Yeah, so I, that's that's the only <laughs> thing that influences my opinion of her. I agree. I mean, I watched that Art 21 episode where she had her amazing Berlin studio which was this giant hall in vetting. Um and it seemed obnoxious then. <laughs> it seems obnoxious now. And mm-hmm. um well, I guess if a if a male artist can make giant, um, ugly paintings, so can she. So, mm-hmm. I honestly, any any work large enough uh, that requires like a what do you call those forklift cages? Oh, like a scissor lift or cherry picker. Yeah. Scissor- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, is is probably i don't know just uh bankrolled by so much money it's kind of like maybe best suited for a a midtown high-rise office building yeah Um, i mean they just just look like zaha hadid conceptual plans from the 80s that's what her work is they literally look the same it's like have you heard of deconstructivism? Here are some drawings from the eighties. Yeah, it's like there's there's some like uh, you know Kandinsky like suprematism influence, whether intentional or unintentional, that goes into it. They're enormously scribbly. I I think the color sort of palette is just kind of bland. And oh. they're just so they're so architectural, like architectural like drafting that is just so off putting to me as an artistic style. Yeah. Well, you know, there's an I just Googled there's an article talking about a state of the art mural painting Julie Meritu at Goldman Sachs New York lobby. That's all you need to know. Yeah, basically. That's what I was saying. So um I think uh, her show at the Whitney is sort of in line with the 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 downtown Whitney's sort of very very safe and sure sort of path of decline culturally speaking and artistically speaking 
except for the uh, truly outstanding and exceptional Mexican muralists, um, you know, survey that yeah. they mounted earlier this year. Um, and, and, you know, aside from Jordan's piece at the, uh, at the great crafts show, I don't know, man, the Whitney has just <sighs> not done anything that's but these worth just your like while. M- these market bait shows, it's, uh, I don't know. It's like we were, uh, yeah. I mean, at least uh, Julie Meritu is established enough and is not a uh, up-and-coming anonymous artist without a, even a formal gallery representation to have received a solo <laughs> show there. Sort of, uh, as a sp- spring uh, springboard opportunity to the higher echelons of the art market. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Just, I don't know. I let, I, She's I'm a MacArthur Fellow. I mean, that's great. But then again, I'm like, why? <sighs> I just, you know, I don't mean to be a bitch. I just don't like the work. And this is sort of in line with the Whitney's sort of poor programming and trying to, like, you know, find a. I'm just getting I don't know. thoughts. I just don't like the work. It's boring. Sorry. It's just, yeah. it looks boring. It sounds boring. Well, uh, it is. I mean, and it, all, all praise to her, woman of color, to have, you know, made it this far and at such a big scale. But it, if anything, it just goes to show that color doesn't fucking matter. Like, if the work is boring, like, the fact of her uh, POC-ness or background or whatever, it doesn't make me look at her work in a, any more endearing sort of or favorable light. My issue is just that it's like these very market successful things are what are just constantly being programmed at the large museums. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, here's another example this week uh, at the, uh, on the Hauser and Wirth uh, Instagram feed, they posted, uh, they photoed a gallery, photographed a gallery visit of Michelle Obama with uh, Amy Sherald. Um, And I'm like, like, sure, I get why Amy Sherald, uh, you know, being that she painted uh, Michelle Obama's portrait, that would make for a good pairing. But, like, it's also kind of so lowbrow of Michelle Obama to have gone in the first place with Amy Sherald to paint her portrait. It's just, like, straight out of the, like, Sunday Times, like, illust- illustrated sort of box in some article like amy sherald truly could not be any more lowbrow in her aesthetics um Uh, sorry for this mean tone this episode's taking on today it's not mean it's just your opinion as an artist it's fine it's just really hard to separate the two because you know michelle obama is truly uh she's like on on a gut level of such a sorry i hate to admit it but she's like an inspirational figure she is she's a yeah she totally she's is. such a feel good like persona yeah no uh-huh. she is she's like i don't even know how to fully verbalize it because i have brain fog but <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's always but she silly. is she's like a she's like a shiro okay she is a shiro and it's always so embarrassing to admit that someone who you don't know a celebrity or you know a, a a known person is aspiring, inspiring no. to you, but like, and you know, I'm white. I didn't grow up here yet. I find her truly inspiring. Maybe it's just her humility and candor. And I honesty. think so. Yes. I think she, 
she, the humility, she wants the best for everyone around her and for the country. She means well. She's been attacked so much. It's never like gone to her kind of visibly. Yeah. Um, and she always looks amazing. Yeah. Jewel tones. Um, um, her like her new sort of uh, moment of just uh, wearing jumpsuits. Yeah. I'm really into. Yeah. But like Amy Sherrill, it's just like, you know, when this inspirational figure of Michelle Obama sort of dips her toes in uh, in the art world sort of scene and like the association with Amy Sherrill is just, I think it lowers her brow, which I don't even want to know what level Michelle Obama's brow is, but like, I know where I sort of place Amy Sherrill's work on the, uh, on the spectrum in the art world and it's not very high. I just don't like most figurative painting. I feel like it's illustrative. So that's my bias. Sorry. <laughs> like even, uh, at least, uh, at least, uh, Barack Obama's portrait was, uh, uh, Kahinda Wiley that just, it had a m- more like, it was just more, uh, intricate in its sort of, uh, composition and general approach and amy sherrill just it's just such like artistic fluff i don't know no. i don't know anywho okay yeah i do like the kahindi wiley one it just yeah it feels more contemporary than it definitely feels one. more contemporary having said that the uh michelle obama portrait feels contemporary in the sense that it's uh it just looks like a new yorker cover yeah and in, it feels, in that sense it's it feels like an illustration yeah all right sorry moving on to the next topic um i am open to everybody the headline goes the polarizing collector stefan simkowitz is opening his own gallery in a bid to take down art market elitism the los angeles gallery sales directive is a first come first served (laughs) um i don't know if you have the article pulled up um, on your browser because there's some really good uh, triggering bits there <laughs> to suck at the tit of uh but what was your first impression when you heard that uh our old jewish buddy <laughs> stefan Simkowitz has finally met has finally crossed the aisle he's he's jewish um, he's jewish yeah I'm he's kidding. from south africa I'm and he's white what I'm else kidding. could he be <laughs> an, an oppressor uh yeah did, like did he also have a diamond oppressive. mine in the fa- sorry a uh, uh, emerald mine in the family like Elon honestly Musk. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> listen growing growing up in my hometown in Israel at some point uh we started getting a uh, you know Jewish immigration from South Africa and they were the fucking like they thought they had a superior complex out of all the like you know different Jews to have come out from the different cor- corners of the universe. Oh, I'm just going to make a statement outright right now. Um, and it's okay because they're white. White South Africans are like the worst people I've ever met because a lot came to Winnipeg in the 90s and 2000s. And they do have a superiority complex and they treat people like trash. So it's just, you know, it's a nexus of being white, being white as a min- minority in Africa, being Jewish and white in a country where you're the minority uh, uh, oppressive. Oh my God. Um, and then obviously you're, you come from a, you know, an English speaking country and you move to Israel, which is much more sort of 
uh, Mediterranean and kind of its attitude and everything. So you just think you're better than everybody else. But also, I will say that all the the Russian immigration to Israel, they also fucking always thought they're better than the Israelis to a certain extent. They are, but like also, <laughs> you fucking fled like a crumbling state. So like, this yeah. is your new home. Fucking get used to it. Well, yeah. Well, they feel like they're better because they're like, well, we're white and um, we're not like Mizrahi like you Israelis. Or savages, yeah. And also, like, the cliche goes in Israel that they were all cosmonauts back home, and here they have to, like, sweep floors for a living. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's true. It's like... (laughs) It's like, like, they they were were high level in Russia, probably, or the USSR, and then they are, like, maids and office cleaners in Israel. You know, the history of uh, of emigrating and fleeing countries is usually a story of people who've had a, a stable life somewhere, but had to flee under the circumstances, under duress. And of course, the yeah. you know, quality of life was lowered for them, but it was, you know, an investment in the future. Yeah. Anywho. Okay, so the uh, gallery. Okay, so hopefully we didn't get canceled for going after white South Africans. <laughs> whatever okay well his safari hat um i like that it's not too big in the photo mm-hmm. <laughs> um i find it interesting that he's opening a gallery now um mm-hmm. since he's been doing all this private dealing for so long now i mean he's been pretty prominent for almost 10 years now but i guess in the article he talks about like people need to have kind of a physical location and an actual enterprise associated with him uh i don't know would you have a show there if you were asked absolutely not absolutely not i mean he i mean on the one hand he's he's known uh as you know the euphemistic disruptor of the art world which i think gives him you know sort of praise that he or not praise but like it paints him in like this uh yeah in like this bad boy sort of uh, light, which I don't think bodes well uh, with his, you know, practice, go-to practice of like buying up like an entire like un- under-discovered or like underrepresented artist's oeuvre for like pennies on the dollar. Yeah. Uh, with the promise of, you know, elevating them through his like PR channels, basically I, I personally know of a couple of people who he has done it to. And of course, you know, it's, it boils down to consent. And like, if you as an artist chose to like, you know, sell him 12 works for again, pennies on the dollars with the hopes of it it turning into something, you have to take responsibility for it. But like, I also don't know that it's such a like kosher thing to have offered to begin with. Um, especially because everyone is just so thirsty for any, everyone's just hungry for like any crumbs that will send, you know, be thrown their ways. Um, yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I, my impression is that he hasn't really established himself as a trustworthy person. Also that fucking Dutch documentary. Oh um, my God. That was bonkers. You remember that? <laughs> yes. And that was, it basically felt like a paid PR piece by him that really went wrong or like yeah, didn't yeah. go wrong, but just like showed his like true colors. Yeah. Because that's the thing. I mean, there's, there's, uh, you know, all those kind of infamous stories about him of like cutting up people's work and, you know, 
like buying a giant painting and cutting it up into sections and selling more out of those sections. Or just really, really well-known feuds that no yeah. one even bothered, like, trying to contain, trying to, like, you know, gain some, like, PR traction yeah. or, like, clout out of them. I find it really disgusting. Can you imagine having to work with someone who's that controversial and constantly seeks controversy? I mean, where there's smoke, there's fire, allegedly. Um, I know, like, Petra Courtright tweeted recently, she's like, you know, like, for everything that people say about Stefan Simkovitz. It's like I've been able to buy this house and have this normal life now after being just like this post net, you know, yeah, kind of like nerdy cool girl. Um, so I get that. It's like I think he's also been very instrumental in like John Raffman's. Yeah, but like Shemek, uh, <laughs> So if if he was able to uh, assist one out of five artists, but the four other ones exactly, are either, so that's the point know, I was getting bruised to, or traumatized, like that's not cutting it. So that's the point I was going to get to. For every um, Petra Courtright, John Raffman, asterisk there, <laughs> um, and Corpor, uh, I'm sure there's a bunch of other people who have feel you know, kind of screwed over. I just, I truly do not recommend uh, this to any up up and coming artists to, you know, enter into a relationship. That's such a, such a wild rolling of the dice. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Cause you never know how it'll go. And also like, and this isn't just about him, but I think when you have a gut feeling, which for example, I had a gut feeling about someone and it's someone, um, I'm not going to get into it further, but like you have a gut feeling about someone and your gut feeling's right. Uh, and it's, I mean, in this case, it's much easier because you don't even need a gut feeling. All you have to do is just log on to the yeah, yeah. endless reportings of dealings gone wrong and just like really nasty behavior to ask yourself, is this really what I need in my life? And also in my professional life? Yeah. Like just imagine even going, going to like a, a post opening dinner with that person um i just i don't know yeah. the no you know what would, anyone who draws too much attention to themselves it's like a red flag that yeah. has like controversy and has dramas with people and this and that if you like google people and these things come up red flag and i know this from personal experience so that's like that's my 100 dollars tip for the day I'm also just generally really I'm fed up with these like oversized art world personas uh, that just suck out the air uh, of any room they enter or like, you know, force themselves uh, into occupying. I just really don't need to constantly be inundated with yeah. those like art world names like Johan Koenig, who's in every like nook and yeah. crevice of the art world or like. Uh, constantly drawing negative PR for the sake of, you know, any press is good press, like yeah. Simkowitz. Um, well, because they're overshadowing their artists. And it's, sorry, you're a dealer. It's like the artists are number one. It's not you and your ego and your persona. Mm-hmm. It's like you shouldn't be overshadowing the very thing you represent. Like if you think about actors or musicians, there are a few that are a few agents that are very famous but for the mm-hmm. most part, you have no idea who's representing the the musician or or uh, the actor, and yeah, it's like you need to take a backseat to the artist. It's like the, like that's where the focus should be, not your bullshit. And also, it just seems like uh, his type of sort of very aggressive 
approach and personality at the end of the day will only draw a sustainable relationship with betas or like pushovers or whatever because like one very famous say uh uh you know dispute that he's had and a falling out was with uh what's his name christian rosa oh yeah and that exploded very sort of uh, publicly and um, and it was all over the news and you can even see it in the documentary. They sort of follow it in, in, in real time. And like, I guess that's what happened with like when big personalities clash and like, it's very telling of the type of relationship that, that is sustainable in the context of Sinkowitz. Yeah. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you did mention though the location of the gallery is very. Uh, oh yeah, I was just gonna say it's like so the gallery's on Beverly Boulevard, really close to the Erwan grocery store and the farmers market and the Grove, and one of my favorite LA malls, uh, Beverly Center. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's like I would love to have a show there just for that reason. That it's like I can right. like walk to all my favorite things. Um, I will quote back to you one part from the article and see what you think about it. Um, In another departure from gallery norms, the sales directive is first come, first served. He's not reserving pieces for top collectors to leverage as social currency or to compete for artists to represent. Simkowitz recounts a recent visit by a group who assumed that everything was sold and unavailable unless you were with an institution. Not at all, I told them. And their energy immediately warmed, he said. I've never been against the institutional business. I've been against how they operate and the philosophies and conditions of how they've built a business. I just think it can be done better and more efficiently. What do you think about this uh, sales approach? Uh, That I'm actually into. I think there are people... Like, I don't feel bad for collectors who have not been able to buy things that are, like, you know, hot and burning up the charts right now because, I mean, they have an agenda as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it is maybe for young collectors discouraging if if they go to a gallery and it's like everything is kind of, like, artificially unavailable um, because I mean, they're what holding new gallery, out. What new gallery is holding out sales and reserving them for institutions <laughs> when they... D- Probably not a new gallery, but definitely galleries are doing that. Like it is a yeah, for sure, a hierarchy. Like it, it just sounds like he's making the case that a more established or mid-tier gallery would make, whereas he had yeah. just opened his space. I'm sure his thing has always just been sold to everyone. So, yeah, you know, because he has all those kind of speculative young collectors and stuff in LA, right? But like from what I've heard, allegedly, um, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, I don't feel bad, but that said, I would love some sort of like New York State investigation into you know how they like made an a crackdown on like price lists not being publicly displayed or available. Right. Just kind of these consumer affairs things. Like I think it should just be like any other business. Like there shouldn't be a you know, like we're withholding things from consumers because I think that also is kind of shady. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are laws and about just, it. And here's the last quote to just uh, seal it off. Uh, the Simkowitz ego may be large, but it's his dexterity and ability to throw a punch and take one that keeps people coming back to watch his next match, which is likely <laughs> to be just as bloody and entertaining as the last. Honestly, this Who this paragraph this? <laughs> this paragraph describes my hugest nightmare uh, in a context of a relationship with the gallery. 
Yeah, someone. Can you oh can you imagine that's a descriptor of your gallerist? Uh <laughs> like frantically, frantically tuning in every morning to social media to see what they are embroiled in today. Yeah, I mean that's obnoxious and absurd. But that said, I've dealt with people who love to just get in fights over email with me. So <laughs> some people are just like chaotic, and that's like an important life lesson I've learned. It's like. The moment you get a semblance of someone being chaotic, much like someone chaotic on social media, steer clear. Absolutely. Absolutely. I second that. You don't need that energy in your life. Yeah. Uh, Like Mary J said, no more drama. (laughs) (laughs) Fact. Oh, my God. God. Okay. Um, I think we're uh, running up the clock. Um, uh, any fun things you're doing this week that you want to share with the listeners? Uh, well, I got my rapid test today. Um, Ooh. <laughs> going back to Berlin tomorrow. Um, it's going to be warm again. It's going to be like almost short weather. It's going to be like mm-hmm. 19 cel- Celsius, which is like 70 degrees Fahrenheit for our uh, inferior weather system American listeners. Um, <laughs> um yeah i'm just gonna see some friends who had birthdays recently go for a walk cute have like some dessert outdoors maybe a almond croissant from uh la maison Mm -hmm. on maybach ufa um that's like do you have any shows coming up i do have a show in paris coming up in may at gallery derouillon uh, <laughs> um maybe i can catch that casting for the real life emily in paris that they're producing <laughs> you definitely should i should temporarily move to paris and be on that i think that'd be good mm-hmm. i can be the uh the sassy gay uh trope <laughs> i'm i'm trying to picture you dipping your toes in a french class oh my god me wearing like a crop top and a beret in french class Carry, <laughs> carrying around a baguette with you <laughs> totally <laughs> um so i just actually finished the paintings yesterday and they look fucking amazing oh I was thank floored. you oh my god that's so nice to hear thank you they're so beautiful <laughs> i mean you. i from my mouth uh, to god's ears sell it out thank you i hope so i just we we both just need to get to that next step you know Mm -hmm. the next step um so hopefully that's this year um you were very helpful in uh my artistic crisis right before i made those paintings when i was planning it's symbiosis my friend thank you um so i'm i'm really happy but there's there's a slight technical issue with some of them i have to some of the metal frames are like a bit uh, wonky, like everything's square, but they don't lay flat. So I have to take them apart and bend the frames. I was just talking to my dad today about that. Whatever, uh, whatever works. Yeah, it'll work. It's just annoying when you're like, I'm done. And now there's like another thing to do. So, I mean, I'll, I'll say it again. We talked about it in a different context, but for any artist out there, who's not a, you know, a traditional painter who just, yeah, pre-purchases their, uh, pre-gessoed canvases and has them delivered to the studio any other physical format that we work in there's so much work and improvisation that goes into making it look presentable totally. 
and troubleshooting and dealing with issues and waving and forming and bending and whatever. It's always a huge headache. Oh, yeah. We've uh, both so had technical issues, which is annoying because you're like, this isn't even about the work or the creativity. It's just like actual menial tasks to uh, just yeah. make it presentable, which is really annoying. So if you're a traditional painter, just sit this one out. You don't know <laughs> what we're going through. No, but even like I, my paintings are on dye bond and I had to wait a few days for them to cut the dye bond, which has nor, never yeah. been an issue. And I was just like sitting around the house for days waiting, which was annoying, you know? Honestly, I think just like uh, uh, conventional studio painters truly don't understand the level of anxiety that goes into the, for lack of better words, for the, you know, in the pre-production, uh, sorry, post-production sort of part of uh, us preparing for a show or making work. Yeah. There's a lot of anxiety involved. Yeah. But other than that, I just can't wait <laughs> to get vaxxed. And uh, since we're pro-vaxxed mm -hmm. and for spring and summer, and hopefully I can come to New York this summer since I have a work reason to go. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And how about you? Um, I'm going home tomorrow. So the next episode, I'll be recording from the occupied territories of uh, my hometown. Oh my I'll be making some, uh, uh, what's it called? That thing. When you, uh, being a settler, making an Aliyah. No, when you, uh, <laughs> when you say the name of the, of the original, uh, you know, name of where, where what? you are. God, they they do it in Canada all the time. Oh, a land acknowledgement. Land acknowledgement. Sorry, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> brain fart. Oh my god, I am here on Bedouin territory. <laughs> That's in the south. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here on a, uh, uh, um, you know, Emperor Nero's oh <laughs> old neighborhood, um, in Caesarea. By the way, I'm pro land rights. Um, both of us are. We're just making fun of white people making land acknowledgements without actually doing the work. So, oh yeah, this is this podcast is all about a uh, um, rejection of empty gestures. Exactly. That's yeah. actually that is the mo in the end. It's uh, mm -hmm. that's the one thing we truly are criticizing is empty gestures and hypocrisy. Yeah. Yep. Alrighty, so I guess I'll uh, be doing the next episode in Hebrew, and you'll be doing it in Polish, maybe. Uh, I will actually do it in a proto-Slavic dialect, um, you know, just to celebrate our roots. Are you are you are you fluent in that? <laughs> um, yeah, maybe we can do like a John Cage like silence piece, and then I start talking in Hebrew and you in Polish. <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah, that was fun. I'll talk to you next week. Okay, talk to you soon, Amir. Bye. Adios. Adios. <laughs>